Well, I want to welcome you today to the Hills Church at Home. Hey, and one of the things that you can do that I think is very helpful is go and download today's message notes. You can go to our website, hillschurcharcadia.org, download download July 25th. Uh, It'll help you to go back and go through some of these scriptures on your own. That's so important as well, too, that you take these and you read these on your own in a personal time of study. If you have children around, download the kids activity sheet, even though our our title is A War in Heaven and we're talking about the dragon. There's nothing of dragons or anything on the kids ministry sheet. So I want to encourage you to follow along. Well, um, my title today is A War in Heaven. Last week, uh, our title was Silence in Heaven. So these two phrases are probably words that were not associated that we would think of with heaven, silence and a war. But we'll look at that uh, today in the book of Revelation. You know, I broke this down a little bit. Um, This is helpful for me to kind of get a, a bigger picture of what God is doing. Think of this. In Genesis chapter one and two, we read about the creation of God here on on earth. In fact, uh, we know that the sun was created, the star, all of those things, but then he focuses in on what he created here on earth. Genesis 3 is the fall of man. In fact, if you read Genesis 3 and God, uh, God comes in the cool of the day to be with Adam and Eve, but they're hiding And uh, they said they were hiding because they were naked. And God said, how did you know that you were naked? And so they explained. And what's interesting, and it becomes the blame game. God, it was because of the woman you gave me. And the woman blames the serpents. Everybody's blaming somebody else. So the fall of man, what we would call the fall of mankind, happened in Genesis chapter 3. But from Genesis chapter 4 to Revelation chapter 22, God is going to right all of the wrongs in his creation that we messed up. And he's going to do so through his son, Jesus. Well, let me start with this one verse, because I think this will set up very good today as we go through Revelation chapter 12. Jesus said these words, and let's read this first. Uh, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. Notice that both of them are coming. The thief comes and Jesus comes. But the thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Now, remember that as we go into our our time together, the thief has come to steal and Jesus has come to give life. You know, I I was thinking back, you know, the, the headlines of today where we're watching, particularly really in California, and it's really due to a law that uh, you can, and I hate to have to say this, that you can steal nine, uh, really under $1,000 worth of anything, and it's only a misdemeanor. Really, uh, you would get a ticket 
though if you're prosecuted uh, you could you could serve some time in jail but think of that 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 a law is out there that allows you to steal under a certain amount and there's not severe consequences this week we watched in our news uh, in a store in California people carrying out clothes walk walking not running not in the middle of the night breaking in not you know driving their car through the sliding glass doors or anything walking out knowing that there's no consequences you know i i remembered back to uh being with a couple friends and we were probably nine or ten years old and i don't know uh one of them had mentioned about going into a particular store like a, a liquor type store and stealing a candy bar so I think we just kind of went on with it. You know, we're nine or 10 years old and the plan was to go in, get it, put it down in your shorts and then walk on out. So I remember actually going in. I remember going in. I remember getting a snicker bar. I remember having my swimsuit on. I remember trying to hide it. And then all of a sudden some conviction hit me and I put it right back and I walked out. Well, I walked outside and I waited and I waited and I waited and my two friends didn't come out. So I remember walking back inside and I'll never forget seeing who was probably the owner at the time. You know, I was nine or 10, so he felt like he was six foot six. I remember this uh, distinctly. He was missing his nose. And so he had two gaping, you know, the nasal passages in his face, which was startling, but he had two of these boys by the back of their shirts. He was calling their parents and then he was calling the police because they tried to steal a candy bar. Now, he ended up not calling the police, but I, I remember thinking that if you got caught back then, you're going to do a night in jail for stealing, you know, a, a, a quarter candy bar. Thank God, probably back then I had a little bit of, of, of the fear of the Lord or a good conscience. But notice today, notice what Satan has come to do, steal, kill and destroy. If you follow after his, his ways, those are the things that you fall into. If you follow Jesus. You will have life and you will have it more abundantly. And it is it is ever so clear in these days, the two directions. In fact, we're going to see it a little bit uh, today. So let's pick this up. In fact, I want to I want to read these verses. This is Revelation chapter 12. And I just want to read verses 7 through 12 today. Revelation chapter 12, verse 7 through 12. And a war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought. But they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, the serpent of old, called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. And then I heard a, a loud voice saying in heaven, now salvation and strength and the kingdom of God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren, notice what it says, the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down and they overcame him 
by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to death. Therefore, rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of earth and the sea. For the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, because he knows that he has a short time. Let me read verse 10 again. For then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. Well, Lord, we pray today in the verses that we read, we thank you. The Holy Spirit is our teacher. We thank you that we are reading about end time events, prophetically reading about events that will take place. But as the book of Revelation says, as John let us know, we are the blessed because we read this and we know this. And we thank you, Lord, in Jesus name. Amen. Now we go back through this verse. In fact, let, uh, let me put it back up because there's a few things that are a little shocking to read. A war broke out in heaven. Michael and the archangel are fighting the dragon and his angels. Now, we know this according to the verse. He didn't prevail. The dragon, the serpent of old, was cast out. He's the one that deceives the entire earth. The angels are cast out. So here's what I, I want to go into just, just a little bit. In fact, um, and this kind of gives us a little perspective. Satan is going to be referred in the Bible. In fact, he's going to have a, a few names. We know originally Lucifer. We know the devil. We know Satan. We know the serpent of old. We know the serpent in the garden. We now have a dragon. Early on in Revelation chapter 3, he's referred to as a red dragon. So we know that uh, he is referred to as a dragon. The Antichrist is referred to as a beast. We know that the word of the word devil is the word slanderer or accuser. And uh, we also know this, that he also deceives the world by beauty and by the good you can have without God. You don't need God. You trust me. So he has several names. But if we can see early on in the Garden of Eden, Genesis chapter 3, that has been his motive all along is to steal. In fact, let me mention this as we go on. Um, at the present time, and I think it's important to note, Satan is not in hell. Uh, we don't actually even read in the Bible that he's ever been to hell. Um, but when he does get thrown into hell in the lake of fire, I think it's important to know he's not in charge. He's not the one ruling it. He will be assigned the most horrible punishment of all. Now, what is shocking that we just read in is he has some type of access into heaven. In fact, some type of temporary access. But I think it's important to note that God, uh, that God's presence, though in heaven, is allowing him to have access for some reason. We know that he's operated on the earth, around the earth, and above the earth. But once he is kicked out of heaven, as we read, we know that his time is even shorter. In fact, when we read 
uh, Genesis chapter 12. And when he is kicked out of heaven uh, or when Satan is thrown out, we know that that's probably about the three and a half year period into the tribulation. And he's going to come down with great wrath. Now, let me mention this before I, I read, because this this can be confusing. And I begin to think about it that Satan would get in heaven. And I want us to get this one picture because we've been reading this in the book of Revelation. John gets an, a, a picture of the four living creatures that are around the throne that are worshiping the Lord as he would describe 24 seven, 365. They, they never stop and worship. He gets that image of the 24 elders that are worshiping the lamb. Yet what we don't read is Satan himself walking right down in the midst of all that, because what would happen is everybody would stare and look at Lucifer himself. And so probably what is taking place here, and this is going to be probably my best guess. And, and I remember I went back and I looked at Paul, who he said uh, in a vision he didn't know, probably it was a vision or a dream. He believes a vision. He was taken to the third heaven. Now, Bible scholars have try, tried to describe uh, the first, second, and third heaven as the first heaven being our uh, out of the atmosphere of earth, the second heaven probably being out somewhere past the, the Milky Way that we, we can't even or haven't seen yet, and the third heaven being the heaven that we're thinking of. Well, we don't know that uh, at all, according to the Bible. You know, it's interesting the, the more science studies, the more they do the Hubble telescope, the more they send out craft, it's a, as if the universe ha, not only has expanded to where they don't know how far it goes, but possibly still expanding. But here's what's important. The devil has some limited access to God that only God is allowing, but what he is coming to do is to accuse the brethren. In fact, I want to read this one verse as we go on because I think it's so important uh, that we read down and that we know exactly what's going on. In fact, we read this in Job chapter one. This is in the Old Testament. Now, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, From where have you come? And so Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking back and forth on it. Notice that Satan came before the Lord. He went to the Lord to accuse his servant, Job. Zechariah uh, mentions these verses in Zechariah chapter 3, 1 and 2. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to oppose him. And the Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, Satan, and the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? So here we get two examples, Old Testament of Satan coming before the Lord. And really it's the accusation. He's the accuser of the brethren. I think the best way to, to picture it, if, if, if we made it personal, is somehow he's got limited access to come and say, have you seen what Walter just did? And he says that he's a Christ follower and you're doing this and you're blessing this and you, you're, you're speaking and you're directing and you have, you have this for him. 
He's the accuser of the brethren. You know, that's that's why God hates so much strife and discord, because that's exactly Satan's game to drive in a wedge. You know, it's interesting when when we read some of, uh, of these verses. In fact, let, let me read uh, this one that is, I believe, always so important to us. I don't believe I have it in my notes. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, uh, where God is cursing Satan, but he prophetically says this about the, the master plan. Remember, the lamb of God was slain before the foundation of the world. And God says, and I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. In fact, when we read that, the, the word her seed is capitalized, the he is capitalized, and it's a prophetic thing about a woman named Mary that's going to have a virgin birth and is going to have Jesus, who is the son of God. He is going to crush the head of the serpent. In fact, we could say this, it's almost in Genesis 3.15, it's almost uh, the first preaching of the gospel. Jesus is coming. So here's what's important. Uh, and we see this probably in the Bible. Satan didn't know in advance who the Messiah would be. I don't believe in the Bible when we read this that he knew that it would be Jesus, even though God knew that the lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. It's a pretty good guess that when he thought about the seed coming in, it had to do with Eve. And when Eve has two sons, uh, Cain and then Abel, that Cain now uh, is really probably comes under some influence of that to, to rise up and kill Abel because Abel was doing everything right. Abel was offering the right sacrifice. But the story of the Bible is God at work fulfilling his promises of a Messiah while Satan, the enemy, is working to oppose his plans and his purpose. You know, it's interesting is once it's clear that God is going to choose even like an Abram and a Sarah, which would eventually be Abraham and Sarah, that God's going to choose them to choose his people, the Hebrew people, to ultimately be Israel. Then Satan, it becomes Israel is the number one target for Satan himself. Do you remember, we read this, well, actually we read this several times in the Old Testament, but it's more, it's remembered more when Moses goes up on the hill to receive the Ten Commandments, that Aaron and the people, while they're waiting on Moses, they think Moses died, and they collect all of the gold earrings, whatever they can, and they create their own calf out of gold to worship. In fact, it's even said in the Bible, they said, this is what brought us out of Egypt and brought, it is bringing us to the promised land. So it's very clear that Satan is going to come after the nation of Israel. And notice what is interesting. Israel becomes the number one enemy of Satan. In fact, we can almost say it this way. Even today, uh, um, active in the year 2021, Satan is adamantly opposed to the Jews in the nation of Israel and Christians. In fact, of all the persecuted uh, peoples today, it's Christians, Jews, and the state of Israel. And that's because he's focused. He understands now God's intended plan. 
That's why Satan tried to, to uh, corrupt Israel time and time again. And notice how he tried to do it from within. Idol worship, other evils that would take place from within. Where's the battle in our life? It's from within. Why, why did God set it up so that when we confess Jesus, he comes to live within us, right? To rule and reign and direct as we become his followers. You know, even when Jesus was born, if you can remember, uh, Herod sent out a decree that all of the young boys two years and older would be killed because the plan was already in effect to stop the Messiah. Let me read this verse. I always think this one is so powerful. First Corinthians chapter two, verse eight, the last part uh, talks about for if the rulers, if they would have known they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. If the rulers of this age had known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Now, let me mention this. Uh, the, the apostle fact, some Bible scholars say that that verse had to do with Pilate and Caiaphas. That if those rulers knew the power that Jesus would come in, that they wouldn't have crucified him. You know, when you, when you look up that word ruler under there, it, it does. It's talking about uh, the Greek word is leaders or rulers. But Pilate and Caiaphas died about three years after when Jesus was crucified. Why would Paul write about those leaders that are dead? Because remember, they didn't crucify Jesus. They might have given a command to do so, but Jesus said, it was given to me by the Father to lay down my own life. Nobody takes my life. I lay down my own life. You know, we read, uh, in fact, we'll look at a verse here in a minute that we read the Bible that spiritually there are principalities, there are rulers, there are hosts of wickedness. Uh, in fact, here's what I believe the scripture is saying. If the rulers, if the principalities, if the devil himself, if all, all of the wickedness in heavenly places knew that if Jesus rose from the dead, the power they had, they would have left him alone. If they knew that that was the plan, they would have left him alone. They wouldn't have touched him. They wouldn't have tried to deceive him. They wouldn't have brought people across him. They would have left him alone because the power of the ministry of Jesus, not only in his teachings was his death on the cross, shedding his blood for us, receiving the stripes on him, but it was uh, the resurrection from the dead that brought that new life, that power. Had the rulers known that, they would have left him alone. In fact, we read, and this is where the apostle Paul gives us that insight, we don't wrestle with flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. In fact, we remember that. Remember that. Uh, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Now, when Paul writes these things, remember, he's been in prison and in jail he could have blamed whatever leader it was. He wants, wants us to remember it's not flesh and blood. Don't look at flesh and blood. It's principalities, it's powers, it's rulers. There's a war in heaven. 
There's a battle in heaven. Think about that. Who would be stupid enough to try to attack heaven? Who would be dumb enough to do that? Well, the devil is, that he would want to attack heaven. You know, and Jesus made this distinction, and, and I think it's so clear, as we, even as we read the book of Revelation, and we see the end times, and we read about the Antichrist. He says, I, I have come in my Father's name, and you did not receive me. If another comes in his own name, him you will receive. That really shows us the state or the heart of people. Well, I want to look at this verse because I think this becomes uh, very powerful when we get this image of a war in heaven. Michael, the archangel, I mean, this is a, a battle taking place. The, the Satan, the devil, and his angels, they're cast out now. They won't have whatever access. They, you know, and I, and I want to use this example. I was really trying to think about it. I almost felt like, um, and this is me talking. It's like he must get a window, like a drive-through window only, right? That's what I was trying to think, a drive-through window to accuse and accuse and accuse and accuse and berate and berate God's people. Because remember, uh, God never gave up on us. And the plan was to send his son Jesus to purchase us back. He never gave up. That's why he is so dead set on accusing you and me and deceiving us and tricking us and getting us on our own way because we were created in the image and the likeness of our God. Let's read this verse. And they overcame him. These are talking about the tribulation people that accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior in extreme days, extreme persecution, extreme tribulation. These seals that we've been looking at have been opened. Things are happening on earth, but they overcame Satan, the deceiver, the dragon, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives unto death. Think about that. The blood of Jesus, the power of the blood of Jesus, the power of his shed blood became that power over them. In fact, it was power over Satan and also their testimony. So here's something they could not do. They had no control over Jesus sacrificing and shedding his own blood. But what they did have power to do was to use their testimony. I think that's so important today. Jesus, in our, he did such a work on the cross, shedding his blood, receiving the stripes on his body, receiving, uh, receiving uh, even being mocked by all that came to the cross. He had to go through all of that and he completed it all. He didn't miss anything when he said it is finished and he gave up his spirit. But he was resurrected on the third day. He was alive. He ascended to his father. He presented his blood spotless as our high priest into that altar. He came back. He was seen by over 500 people. He walked through walls. He ate. He talked with them. He gave uh, those, those early disciples, the apostles, uh, a mandate, a charge, a commission about what to do. 
And I think it's so important that you can overcome by that power and that strength of what Jesus did, but you also have a testimony. You know, one of the most powerful thing, it's not, and you know, whenever I hear somebody's testimony, it has to do all about them. That's not a testimony. Our testimony is always anchored to what Jesus did for us. I would have never been able to do this had it not been for the Lord. I love that. And by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives unto death. You know, nowadays people love their life so much that they're not willing to sacrifice. Jesus even talked about people that would call him Lord would also deny him in times. They overcame those, those tribulation believers in the most difficult time clung on and knew the power of the shed blood of Jesus and the power of their testimony. And they weren't afraid to be sacrificed or to die because that wasn't where their life was found. So we're reading all this, a war, a battle in heaven, Satan trying to take on God in in his place. Michael, the archangel in battle again. We see Michael back in Daniel's day in battle. He is the he is the warrior of the angels. He's fighting. He's throwing them out, throwing out the dragon, throwing out all of those corrupt angels, throwing them to earth. In fact, we read, now when the devil comes to earth, he has great, I mean, hatred and wrath. He knows his time is short. He knows now the end. In fact, we read this uh When we read that one verse, it becomes very powerful for us to understand. He knows that his time is short. Well, I want to track back onto something that I think is powerful as, as we end up closing this today. And it really has to do with access. Satan, in fact, we read, uh, we, we looked at it a few weeks ago. Isaiah 14, you can read, um, prophetically, that what Satan tried to do is he tried to create his own throne above God. He was thrown out. Jesus even mentioned it. He said, I I saw Satan fall like lightning. He got kicked out. But evidently he had access back and forth in Job and Zechariah and Revelation 12. He has some type of limited access because God allows but God would not allow heaven. There's no strife in heaven. There's no weeping in heaven. So there's whatever he is allowed to come and to speak to God. It's always accusations. You know, we'll, we'll probably only understand why when we get to heaven and God, God explains this. But I want you to know today that even living on earth, even living in July of 2021, you have full access to the throne of God. But have you taken advantage of it? You have access. It's not limited. It's not on God's part. It's not like I jokingly said uh, that you have some drive through window possibly to go through. You have access because of what Jesus did. In fact, let's read this first. It uh, becomes so powerful to us in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 through 16, seeing that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, 
but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Now, I want to um, revisit a phrase that we're not familiar with in our day, and that's the day, that's the word high priest. Now, you might be familiar with the word priest, um, the word that we primarily use about somebody in ministry is the a word pastor. Certain denominations uh, use the word priest. High priest is the Old Testament term. In fact, there was a high priest chosen by God that would operate all of those laws, the sacrifices of God. That high priest would go into the Holy of Holies once a, once a year and to sprinkle the blood. Uh, remember, it would only be a covering. That high priest could not have any sin. High priest had to go through a forgiveness because if the high priest had any sin, the high priest would drop dead. That's why they had bells on the robe and a rope around the rest, uh, waist because if that high priest died, they could drag him out. So, but the high priest was not a perfect person. Never would be, never could be. Jesus, our high priest, was perfect in every way. In fact, we read that he is our high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Now, here's what it says. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Jesus was tempted in the wilderness. Do you know, it's interesting. Jesus had those temptations. And I was thinking about this. He would go to Zacchaeus's house, who Zacchaeus was a rich man and whatever they had back in those days. Jesus never coveted whatever they had. Uh, Jesus was around women. And Jesus was never accused of lust or running around with women. And even when Mary came and poured the alabaster oil on his feet and washed them with her hair, if that happened today, if a pastor was in a mall and some lady, we remember you know, her background, some lady came up and took a perfume out and put it on his feet and then wiped it all up with her hair. Uh, boy, they would be accused of some pretty crazy things. But Jesus was never accused. He was around women, never accused of lust, never lusted. He was around people of wealth, but never coveted. In fact, uh, we know this, that even in the pressure cooker of life in the Garden of Gethsemane, as he's feeling all of the weight of the world, all of the sin, sickness, and disease coming on his body. And for that moment that he wanted, he had asked the Lord, was there another way? He caught himself. Not my will, but yours be done. He would fulfill all things. He would not submit himself to fall for any temptation because had he done it, he wouldn't be the spotless one. Notice, he can sympathize with what you're going through. You know, there are struggles that people go through that I have, I can't say, I have, I have no idea what that is like, but Jesus does. But here's what he says. Therefore, 
let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we might obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Not limited access. You're allowed to come Sunday at 10 o'clock for a very short period of time. Uh, not with your tail between your legs, not walking in backwards. Come boldly. You have a place to come before the Father because of Jesus, our high priest. You know, in, in whatever you're facing today, you know, many of us go through certain challenges. We don't tell other people. We, we carry it around. It can become depressing. We can feel the anxiety. But can I encourage you today? Today is a day to come boldly to the throne of grace and receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Here's the perversion or the twist of it. Satan tries to come to the throne, but he's he's not coming in a way to receive grace. He's coming to accuse and destroy and to steal people's identities and to lie about people. He knows there's power at the throne. You and I, we forget sometimes our, the, there's power at the throne and you can come boldly because of the blood of Jesus. These tribulation saints knew it. They overcame Satan and the, the beast, the Antichrist, and all of the tricks and the traps of the devil and demons by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they didn't count their lives. They, they counted it more living to be with the Lord. So I want to encourage you today to go before your father and go before him even today boldly before him. You know, I pray today, those of you that never made Jesus the Lord of your life, or this is a day of returning to him, I pray that you take a moment that you make the most important decision, the most important decision of your life is what will you do with God's son, Jesus? Will you accept him as the Lord and savior of your life? Will you be a follower? Will you follow him? Will you become his disciple? If you've never prayed that prayer, or if you find yourself running from him and today's a day of running back to him, pray this prayer with me. As Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10 says, if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus, and if we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. In fact, something powerful happens when we pray that. The Bible mentions two things that our names are actually written in what's called the Lamb's Book of Life, and heaven erupts in joy because a sinner repented and accepted Jesus. Pray this with me. Dear God, I believe that Jesus lived, died, and rose again for me. I confess and I accept Jesus as the Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you for forgiving me of all of my sins. And today I begin my relationship with you in Jesus' name, amen. You know, today as we receive our, our tithes and offerings, I wanna read these two verses out of the book of Lamentations. And it gives us a great picture of our Father God. Though the Lord's through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. Have you ever had somebody that is, have, has used up all your compassion, used up all your love, has tried you and tried you? Well, the Lord's mercies, the, he, his compassions fail not. 
They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. They are new every morning. So as we give today, would you pray this prayer? Pray it between you and your Father God, because his compassion is for you, his, his promises, and he is new every morning. It's life to you even today. So as I give in today's offering, Lord, you have always watched over me, protected me, guided me, and provided for me. This new day, I remember your faithfulness in and around my life. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, if you're giving today, you can go to our website, hillschurcharcadia.org. And on the top right hand of the screen, you can click on the Give button. It's safe and fast and secure. But if you wanted to write to us or give through the mail, you can do so at the Hills Church, P.O. Box 661419, Arcadia, California, 91066. And we want to thank you for your support and your gifts to the ministry of the Hills Church, even in these days. And I also pray for you, in fact, especially those that are in, in California and L.A. County as we're we're hearing of uh, new mandates and Delta variants and all things going on that, that you stop and you listen to the Lord and don't allow fear. Don't allow the words that are out there to control your thinking, but get it, get alone, get in your Bible, listen to what the Lord says. He's new every morning. He's always been there. This has not caught him by surprise and he knows exactly what to do and we pray the protection of Jesus around you, that healing takes place over you and in your family and in your home, and that you will not be led by fear, by the stories of the day, but you will act in faith according to his word. In fact, you know, the, in the early church, uh, they relied on that promise that Jesus even told them, if you drink anything, it wouldn't harm you. If you... Even uh, if there was a snake bite or something, it wouldn't harm you. The Apostle Paul got bit by a viper. In fact, that story, when they became shipwrecked and they finally made it to shore, and he prophesied nobody would die. And you'd think that if they saw the Apostle Paul going to get firewood, they'd tell him to sit down, right? Man, you prophesied that we'd all live and we live. No, the Apostle Paul's getting firewood, but in the firewood was a viper, and the viper bit him and hung on his arm, and he shook it off into the fire. And all of the people watched because they knew what was going to happen. He was going to swell up and die. And it didn't happen. In fact, they presumed him a God. That was one of Jesus's promise. If you, were, if you drink anything deadly, it won't harm you. If you're bitten by a serpent, it won't harm you. Let's go back to the words of God. Let's go back to his promises. Let's listen to his voice. He is our hope. He is our life. And Jesus is our high priest and we go boldly to him. So remember this verse, today, tomorrow, all this week, that, that we read this over and over again, I look up to the hills, but where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Well, the Lord bless you. If you wanna keep updated, go to our website, all activities, services, and events, and we'd love to meet you if you're ever in the Arcadia area uh, for a Sunday service. But the Lord bless you. Have a great day.
Go to your high priest and do so, Jesus. Go to him boldly.